Welcome to the All Things Data podcast, Ask a Pro Edition. Today, we've got Kenny Kwan from Two Cows. Why don't you give a little intro to yourself, Kenny, and maybe tell us a little bit about what you do at Two Cows. Yeah, uh, well, I wouldn't call myself a pro, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> I would start, uh, what can I say about myself? I, uh, I work at Two Cows as a data scientist currently uh, leading the data engineering teams, uh, trying to get our infrastructure in place um, up to the 2020s. Uh, so adopting things like Airflow, DBT, and Snowflake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess a little bit about myself. I, I have a PhD in uh, civil engineering. I uh, came from the Dominican Republic um, and, and did my PhD in Boston. Um, and then, you know, quickly realized that as I was winding down my PhD that I wanted to do not necessarily structural engineering uh, <laughs> and what, uh, found out about data science. What did you do your undergrad in? Like, were you always a civil engineer and then you just kind of kept going? Yeah, I was a civil engineer and just kept going. Um, what did you do uh, your PhD in? So basically it's like a weird, uh, I think adaptation, basically just trying to use structural engineering, but at the nano level. So a lot of like material science stuff. Uh Um, trying to build like these nanostructures using materials. Oh, cool. And like following like more of the traditional uh, civil engineering or like structural engineering uh, concepts. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Sort of. And then when, what was that, what was that moment? You're like, okay, no more (laughs) time to not be a PhD in civil engineering. Well, I think that, you know, as many, probably many people are faced the situation where you're like, Academia requires a specific set of conditions that you may or may not want to continue to satisfy. Um, and I was, as as a person who came in, you know, with a with a student visa, basically, like uh, getting a position in, in academia makes it mm. uh, practically impossible for me. It was it felt like that, and then it was more like, okay, I've I really like math. I really like uh, this stuff about statistics. I really like programming doing data analysis in some shape or form. Uh, I like to answer those questions. What can I do with these skills? And um, someone was telling me about his PhD fellowship of our, for data science, which is uh, Insight. Yeah, and so you, kinda, went through, you went through Insight data science that way. Yeah, yeah. I got it. How does, how does Insight work? It's the, you do a project for a couple months and then you, you get released into the wild? Yeah, it's like uh, seven weeks or eight weeks. Basically, you have to like, there are no classes. Uh, there's just a bunch of people who, for the, for the data science track, there's just a bunch of people who have a PhDs, a bunch of really, really smart people, and everybody just tries to solve a problem, and that problem becomes your demo, your project. Uh, right. You have to come up with that problem and, and solve it, um, and then you present to companies and try to get hired. Cool. And then who took the chance on you out of uh, Insight? What was your first company, and like, what did you do for them? So... My first company was uh, called Booster. It's a company in Boston. And basically they are a child company of another company called Custom Inc. And what Booster does is it creates these charity campaigns uh, by, it allows you to create charity campaigns by selling custom t-shirts. And that's how I first started in the world of data science, but not really data science. (laughs) You were just doing some stuff, data stuff. Yeah. And then then you moved to, then you moved to two cows. 
No, so I actually like oh, before, before that happened. So you know there was a decision to fold Booster back into Custom Inc. And Got it. Uh, at that point, uh, someone the the analytics the head that he was then the head of analytics uh, wanted me to join uh, that. So I kind of moved to uh, Virginia uh, near the DC Maryland uh, yeah. area, um, and um, and I worked and started working for Custom Inc. And Custom Inc. is is a company that does custom T-shirts um, and working more on their core business mm. uh, there. And what were you, what were the kind of tasks you were doing there? So the first major thing that I was doing there was the integrating the booster warehouse into the custom ink warehouse. Uh-huh. Um, so a so lot like of, less data sciencey, more data engineeringy. Yeah. So try to make that data available to the rest of the company in the same form that they're used to. Uh, so that meant like building a lot of those uh, queries and pulling all of, a lot of those data into that central warehouse. And then afterwards, when that got rolled, uh, I was started working on a, a model for for ranking customers, basically, trying to figure out like which customers were going to offer most value in the next year, because, you know, you, you have customers and they're placing orders. So That's right. uh, we wanted to figure out if uh, a like if there was a way to categorize those customers. Uh, and B, like we also had this group of white glove service that we wanted to get really good customers through them. So we kind of had to come up with a with a way to rank which customers do we send to them. Right, right. Well, that's interesting. And th- and then you went to two cows. I'm trying to like. Yes. Yeah. Then I went to two cows. <laughs> yeah. And then, then you so then, you made the move up to Canada. You made yeah, the move then, to Canada. My 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 US visa ran out, and there was no <laughs> way to uh, extend that stay so i i moved up to canada which turns nice. out to well, be we, we welcome you here thank you <laughs> i am i feel very welcomed <laughs> but you're not a raptors fan so it's like you know we no have to... i'm not a Kawhi Leonard's fan okay okay but i i, I can i can now be a raptors fan <laughs> only because you were a san antonio fan before yeah i will oh, always be a san antonio spurs fan but what if what if pop leaves though will you still be a spurs fan um We'll talk. Let's talk about that later. I don't know. I, have, <laughs> I still NBA haven't. Episode. I haven't. I haven't uh, thought it through much. Uh, I, <laughs> I think it's impossible. Like I think you know, if Pop leaves this first, then nothing in this world makes sense anymore. <laughs> I mean, eventually he'll have to. So he has like the true disciple, but it sounds like he's got a good roster stable of uh, assistants that could that could step up. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, um, he's gonna if he leaves, it's because he retires, not because. That's right. It's not. It's not like he's going to another team. Yeah, that's right. Well, I think management respects him enough, but we do talk a lot of basketball on uh, on the on this podcast, so it's fine. Um, so two cows, like you're at two cows, you're a data scientist, but it sounds like you're doing less analysisy kind of things and more like hard tech type of stuff. Like, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like, what are you what are you doing there? Yeah, so I think you know um, when I started my journey at two cows, uh, we wanted to uh, do data science, and you know. Uh, quickly, as you know, this is not this is not the first time that I'm the single data scientist in the company. So, like, you can quickly identify and see that you know maybe data science is not the first step to take here. So, a lot of my work turned out to be um, how do we think about you know maintaining a stable infrastructure? How do we uh, modernize the way we pull data and make sure that that data is useful, clean, um, that it's online? So, uh, 
it became kind of like a shift. Um, I'm a true, I'm a true believer in like uh, being a generalist. Um, yeah. I think from as a data scientist, there's it's very important for you to understand how to get your own data because uh, otherwise you're stuck. So the whole thing of like shifting towards data engineering and then building that team up became a reality for me and, and one that I felt it was necessary and, and there's a lot of good stuff to learn there. Cool. Like what kind of, what were kind of like the first projects? I mean, you landed there as a first data scientist and then you were like, oh, no data science right now. <laughs> yeah. Then, so I, I did it. So what did you, what'd you, how'd you kick it off? I worked at, I worked through a churn model with, in consultation with like a fast forward labs because two guys has a, had a data science consultant contract with them. And then, uh, you know, when we got those results, it was mostly like, as we're going through the org, it mostly felt like the, the appetite was there, but we needed to get other stuff to help the org right. reach that point in which that data was digestible, actionable in many senses. So like things like, you know, we wanted to have a better uh, reporting around or better understanding around churn for these different attributes that was not readily accessible today. Right. And kind of like it's that whole thing about setting baselines before you actually go into more complicated data science approaches, right? Um, and then after that became evident, it was like, okay, so let's try to spin up our data engineering team. And a lot of that was just a lot of conversations around people and, and stakeholders and you know, even at the C level, just making sure like, hey, you know, if you really want to go and run with data science, let's start walking and, you know, even take a step back and let's start crawling right. around our data infrastructure, which is uh, we need a stable warehouse. We need uh, data that's coming in. We need data models that actually reflect now the current state of the business uh, to address the, the, the needs of the business today. Right. So, And do you, did you feel that like, um, you know, when they hired you, was that a, you know, they, they just didn't really know what it took to get there. And then when you got there, you're like, okay, guys, I think you, not necessarily you've got it wrong, but you might've had, you might've had me in the wrong order or like the hiring was in the wrong order. Yeah. I think, you know, not, not necessarily that it's not a two cows thing. I think, you know, you know, you'll, you'll, you can confirm with me, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it's a very normal thing that companies right. are, uh, don't really like we're at this stage in the data in the data field where a lot of companies don't really have a good template and idea of how do we actually build the org uh, yep. around data. Um, so it's certainly like you know, uh, they they uh, I I felt like it was not necessarily the 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 right order, but to their credit, like you know, our CEO and people at the team then. Mm -hmm. Uh, they were very responsive and uh, they listened to to what the concerns were and how we're, we needed to go. And we kind of like taken that path. Um, yeah, that's fair. And I mean, I think executive education like is a thing, you know, where people want to do it and they're willing to do it, but they don't actually know, you know, so they make the call. They're like, okay, we need data science. So let's call a data scientist. But, you know, to data engineering cred, nobody ever says we need a data engineer first unless they know you know yeah it's kind of funny yeah it's like you know it's like one of those things where it's like you're at the you're at the back right and in reality it's you're the backbone if if you're not in place a lot of the stuff becomes downstream becomes difficult right what were um i guess some you know 
you have this idea of data science, you do insight, you probably like busted out some pretty cool models and, you know, went through the whole, you know, Python learnings and Pythonic learnings and, and whatnot. Um, and then you, you're at, uh, two cows now, or, you know, even at uh, custom Inc. And what was like the paradigm shift there where you're like, you know, the things that you thought you would be doing versus the things you actually were doing. And then what were the skills and the, you know, the level ups you needed to kind of get to the level of competency you were at? Yeah. So I think nothing like the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Like you're always thinking <laughs> you're coming out and be like, Oh, I'm going to do all these cool things. And then you get there and you're like, where's the warehouse? Uh, and then, um, so that kind of like really like lands you, it gives you a lot of perspective, right? And that's why like I've always tried to, uh, in, in the current stage of my career, be more mindful about how do I get my data? Because now it's, it's been, it's a, it's a frequent theme where I see uh, myself just like, how do, how do you get that data first in place? And I think that it's about finding patterns. And not, I'm not saying, you know, I think people generally, like if you end up, there's several other opportunities where you end up in, you know, we can talk about like, you know, if you end up in Shopify, there's going to be a lot, it's a very different experience, but yeah, the number of Shopify's, you know, you can count with, with the 10 fingers of your hands uh, in the world. Well, especially um, in Canada. And in Canada, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think that the, the way is to kind of like ask yourself, what do you enjoy about the career? And because I think that helps you frame yourself. Like there, there's data science is an umbrella term at this point in time. Um, That's right. A data analyst is a data scientist. A machine learning engineer is probably a data scientist <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so an NLP engineer is a data scientist somewhere else. So like, kind of like figure out what you enjoy to do. And, and I think that helps you then frame like, you know, what are the things I need to get to, to do that? Because um, I, I really think if you if you can figure out what you really like about things then you can kind of like set a plan. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And I mean, it's such a, you know, being a generalist is, is good and understanding, you know, those, not just that narrow field, but, you know, getting to the, the level of vision where you're like, you can step out of just modeling and then step up to maybe like a thousand or 5,000 foot view where you're like, okay, what's the entire workflow that I need to know to become an effective uh, practitioner. Yeah, it's a tricky balance, right? Because like then yeah. you you become dealing with analysis paralysis in many perspectives. Like if you start looking too far away, and that's right, <laughs> that's um, also true. Do you but, do you find that um, like were there some skills that you didn't think you would need, or maybe not just didn't think you would need, but you just never thought of, and then you're like, oh crap, I need to learn this thing. Where you know maybe it was when you were moving to two cows or when you were at custom Inc. So I think uh, it's not necessarily a particular skill, uh, but it's something that I, I think that is important, which is in my first job, I, I felt like if I did my job, it would speak for itself. And, you know, I might, okay. um, I don't know if this is true for everybody, but it, it became evident to me that that was not true. So like um, I had this disregard for like, campaigning for my being my own cheerleader campaigning Ad, for my advocating campaigning for my work you know and, and and this whole like bragging about what i do because i felt like you know i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing and it's evident that i'm doing the stuff you can see it um 
and then it came out to be that it was like, well, not really. Because, <laughs> what do you mean? Because, well, you know, it's like not really because oftentimes it like there is you need to be able to PR for yourself as well because and that means like talking to different people in the company uh, and and helping that image of you because not like I felt that at one point it was my manager's job to do that and then I quickly realized that that is not a good thing to expect right. so you you have to take charge of that and that kind of like also helped me also understand that you know especially on the data careers like uh, you need to you need to go, be a go-getter yourself, right? You need to kind of like take care of your career, start thinking about what is it that you want to do. So, uh, and, you know, that's what I, I think it's, I don't know if it's a useful skill, but basically it's an observation of like, a lot of us come out of, of school and we're expecting like somebody else to tell us to give us a direction. And I think in the data field, that is a very rare occurrence and you have to mm -hmm. kind of like go get it. And that's, very related to like self-learning, right? Like if you're self-learning, you're always going to have a good idea of what you want to go, go for and then kind of like push for it. But yeah. Right. And when you were talking about like advocating for yourself, is that, does that mean like pitching projects or does that mean like looking for um, new work or kind of telling people the, how valuable your work is? Like what, could you elaborate a little more on that? It's, it's all over the above, right? Like one is like, you know, like always finding other work to do uh, you're, you might be in situations where your org is counting on you to come up with this new data science ideas because they're relatively new. And then on the other hand, it's like making sure that the impact of your work is, is recognized at a certain degree, because as not just for you, but as the data science practice becomes more and more mature, one of the things that you need to establish is that reputation, uh, as I say, like not necessarily you as a person, but also the team needs to establish that reputation so that across the organization so you get more and more work and people trust you more right got it so like trust is a is a big thing but i guess that's that's the building the level of expertise perceived expertise of your practice you know like people don't trust you at the beginning because they're just like who's this data person what can they do but they're also coming from a, a place of ignorance in a way of like they don't really know what you do right so you got to kind of show the results yeah. or show what you can do for people and then they're like oh i want that too or whatever yeah. people don't know what they don't know it's, that's the that's the reality and you know it's one of the skills though that i would say that i do continuously learn more about and i didn't necessarily think i was bad at it but i you know i've recognized that i wasn't as good as i thought i was is communication and um i've always thought that i you know i was able to communicate and then on my first job i kept getting this um as i was communicating these concepts and stuff like that and i I kept getting these weird looks at like, Hey, can you explain this again? And I was just like revising myself and like, like, huh, I thought I was, I, I thought I was okay at this. I'm not necessarily great at it, but it seems like I need to do more work. Yeah. Um, and it's the whole idea of like, you know, if you're talking to somebody who has, uh, no interest and I'm saying like this, right? Like no, no interest or time to digest the level the, 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 the scrutiny of the technical concepts, you need to find a way to, to communicate and get their attention in, in very simple terms or at their level, right? And did you find like um, with communication, I, I know that's a big thing because, you know, you're always 
as as data practitioners, you're always explaining. Chances are, when you're explaining something, it's the first time someone's hearing it or like understanding it. And any like tips and tricks or thoughts that you know you kind of had that going in, and then you know where you are today about communicating. Um, I think just in general, avoid big words. Uh, <laughs> avoid big words, right? Like I think it's really hard. Like you know. I, the example that I, I usually give is like, if you're talking to a product manager and you start talking about A-B testing and you say something around P-value, then you've lost them. Like, that's, like that's, that's, that's not. So avoid those big words because the point is not to, to throw big words. The point is to like have people understanding. Um, so to me, it's like, um, there was this uh, particular professor when I was doing my PhD and he would say this, you know, you need to be able to explain it such that the cannoli guy understands it. The cannoli guy. Nice. Yeah. Kick uh, off. Yeah. So um, that is not in any shape or form trying to diminish what a cannoli person is uh, in terms of their level. But it's just the idea that, you know, try to explain it to, to the simplest, like try to figure out how do you, how can you explain a concept in different levels so that you can, attune yourself like you can try to get some idea of like where where does this person lie on that technical uh skill uh level and you can kind of like adjust um and one other tip is like always always back do background research on the person you're going to talk to about like just don't go into a conversation without understanding who this person is or knowing how they think uh or like what's important to them yeah no that's that's interesting and like um are there, I guess like, you know, I'm, I'm always curious as to people who go out into the field like yourself there, you know, I think all of us have different, our own different data origins and data technology stories. Like, you know, and I think it's a product of where you work too, you know, like you're not going to be a, I don't know, a Kafka guy if you don't use Kafka or you're not going to be a, you know, X, Y, Z person if, if you're not using it on the daily are there, um, so I, you know, I respect the the journey that everyone has. And it's, it's interesting because it's a cool story to hear. Is there, are there any like pieces of technology where you're just like, what, <laughs> what are we doing with this? And why is it here? And then how are we like, how are we upgrading or moving? Cause I know like you're more like, to me, it's like, you're more in like a, a hardcore technology role than almost like the, the true like analysis type of roles. Yeah. Um, uh... No, yeah, I'm not doing deep learning or anything fancy. Uh, <laughs> no, I think, you know, uh, one of those core technologies that uh, it's like on-premise warehouses, it's like, why? Why are we still doing that? Like, yeah. um, and that comes back to like this whole concept of companies don't traditionally haven't really put a lot of resources into data teams in terms right. of operations like like two, two cows is like it's it's og like internet tech like this is a company from the 90s right yeah and we, we're doing that's not to say we're not doing a lot of things modern i think we're of doing course. a lot of and, and there's a lot of cool work uh kafka adoption is one of them oh nice uh, and, and by the way i guess like you know check out our careers page there's a lot of uh <laughs> that's right we're, we're hiring for a lot of people uh, but I would say that, you know, the, in the specifically for data stuff, um, we're at the same stage, I think, as like software engineering was at some point where it was like, oh, right. uh, we're stuck because we need ops. Um, and companies haven't traditionally viewed data teams as just teams that need all that surrounding bells and whistles to make 
uh, right. their stuff work. So that means that a lot of the on-premise technology has lagged behind because you know if the analysis want... hasn't changed over time either, right? Like the needs haven't really changed, and then now it's like all of a sudden, hey, I need to do all this new stuff, and then you're like, wait. Yeah, it's it, it's not just the new stuff; it's just the volume of it too, right? And uh, the, the the issue right. is that nobody wants to spend ops money on the data team, and so you've you've essentially just the, the cloud people have like seen this market, right? Snowflake or AWS and Google BigQuery, whatever. Uh, they're like, oh, you know what? Just come here and don't worry about ops, and they kind of like more and more just refined yeah. the, the, the warehouse technology to a point where it's like it's just you know it, it's really hard to argue against that right against yeah and it, you know it's, it's interesting like because uh, actually victor and i were having this conversation the other day where it was like you know data ops is a thing but it's it's kind of like there's this friction between having data ops in-house and then the cloud is just kind of gobbling those roles up right like you don't need to have it as much as you used to but well i mean did you really, really need to have it? Uh, like you, there wasn't like like it used to because it's still kind of a new thing. But you know, cloud offloads a lot of that. But it's weird because you don't have people also thinking like in first principles or experiencing first principles who've done it without like they had to do the ops themselves. It's like manual Kubernetes deployments and stuff where you're just like, what? You know, you need to actually know the underlying tech versus like, oh, I'm just going to use like I don't know Cloud Compose and like click a couple buttons and it goes. Yeah. Right. And that's like, that's where like things, maturity, your maturity model comes into place, right? Because like eventually, you know, cloud lets you spin up stuff fast and test stuff and go from there. But eventually, it, it depending on the usage and the volume, probably makes sense to bring that back in. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, especially like we were looking at some deep learning stuff a little while ago and we're like, it's way cheaper if we just buy like a $20,000 um, rack you know, rack mount with like four GPUs in it versus spending like 10 K a month or 20 K a month on like a jumbo, you know, deep learning instance on AWS. Right. But that's, you've already reached a volume for that, right? Like it's that's like, right. the, if, if the thing is to start, I don't want you forking 20 K. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, you have to hit that limit, but I mean, you can kind of see it approaching, but you know, cloud wants to gobble a lot of that stuff up, but it's interesting because, you know, sometimes you, like a lot of the time bringing it in house is great, but it's like, you know, the, I guess there's the overhead of bringing it in house. Like now you have to hire people, you have to manage infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. What cloud kind of helps. Yeah. And, and you know, like I'll give you a, a concrete example. Now we're like scaling up airflow and we're thinking about Kubernetes and it's one thing for us. It's like, we want to go to the cloud for this probably because like the other part is like, I don't want to be the, pioneer at the company level like I, you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that resource is not going to be there uh but if if we decide as a company as a tech stack to say everything is on kubernetes moving on then i can latch on and say okay i you know i can latch on to this and now right. now my, my my cost and my expenses are are part of this larger picture right except if i go the other way around which is like oh no i need to stand up kubernetes by myself and it's painful on premise uh there's not going to be a lot of uh people behind that because yeah, no that's, yeah so no that makes sense and i mean that's that's interesting and like um 
you know, I, I find that like tech, do well, I mean tech and cloud especially is that it's great that you can kind of test it out a little bit. You know, if you're like, okay, we're just going to try it out in the cloud a little. And then, you know, you don't have to fork out huge amounts of like compute resources or like, you know, you're not buying and racking servers and like getting people to maintain them and all, you know, like, I mean, it's the, the cloud value proposition. Right. And then, you know, you start using it and then I guess like once you hit a, a limit, you can start making the choice of like, okay, are we going to use like 30,000 in compute a month or should we bring this in house? Because it's actually, you know, this is only going to grow and eventually we'll, we'll probably have to, you know, we'll, we'll be spending like 50 or a hundred K a month in whatever we're doing. Yeah. And, and ultimately it's not just about cost, but about the return. Right. So like, of course, like if, if it's, if it's bringing millions in and it's costing you 500k that's still doable uh, <laughs> right. the problem is if, it, if it's if you're spending 500k and you're not bringing 1k in uh, <laughs> then that's you know but like it's always that that thing um and and i think in you know that's more possible when it comes to uh productionizing machine learning models than it is on warehouses i still think that there's uh I mean, if there is, I'd be happy to hear from anybody, but I don't think that there is anything uh, on premise that does that serves as an analytical warehouse that is as good as any of the uh, cloud ones. Yeah, and I mean, storage is so cheap in the cloud, like stupid cheap, and you get to adjust the storage too. Like we were, we're working with a client where we're just moving a bunch of stuff into like deep glacial right now or whatever it's called, and we're like, oh my god, the, it's like penny like fractions of pennies now you know per gig and uh, it just it just makes sense and i mean i used to work in data centers and stuff too and like you know like managing all of that is just quite a pain in the butt right like i mean you need there's the whole fact of like if you actually want to do it legit on prem it's like the air conditioning you need to get you know like the hvac and the all the ridiculous, you know, things like redundant power and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just a headache just for storage, you know? It's like, meh. Yeah. It's just like, there's no point. For sure. It's, uh, there's just all the surrounding pieces that you don't yeah, want to right. deal with. That's right. And like, are there any, um, is there anything that you guys are eyeballing right now that that's interesting? Like you guys are moving to Kafka now, like why, why, uh, why are you moving there? And maybe give us a little background on like what Kafka is. And like, what, what was the need for it? Um, I can try. So this is, <laughs> this is coming from, this is coming from the tech org. So not necessarily, it's not, we're not adopting Kafka for the sake of our data practice, which I, right. I 100% support. Uh, Kafka is a event streaming platform. Uh, that's basically what the, the whole thing is that it allows us to, uh, you know, disassociate, I guess, this whole dependency of like, waiting for a backend database to have data structure in a certain way uh, to get that data the way the analytics team would want it. And now everybody is just like, here's a queue, here's all the topics uh, where all that data that Kafka is coming from, all these events are being streamed into. And then whoever wants to consume those events can consume them in whatever shape or form they want to. Um, and I'm sorry if I, mangle that for the Kafka folks, but that's my understanding of it. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you know, now everything is in a single uh, platform. All you have is a bunch of uh, applications that are writing and consuming off of it. Um, 
And was there, was there a need, like obviously a need to migrate to that? Like what was the limitation that you kind of overcame to, to get that? Like, was there, or do you know the underlying like reason for moving to Kafka? Um, I don't really hundred percent know. I would say I've interested it's just like, um, I think this it's it's an advantage of like having a system in place where people are just consuming and getting the data that they need. Um, but in terms of why, as a <laughs> like you know, nothing broke, uh, and then you're like, oh god, yeah. I think we're just like you know, two uh, cows was at a point where we a lot of we've done a lot of the work that we have, a lot of the stuff that we have has, has served us really well. Yeah, it's also like we needed to refresh some of it and kafka is a technology that's gonna that we want to uh, adopt for that cool um, as we i guess like you know as part of going into microservices and stuff like that that's fair well i, I guess like you know it's kind of switching gears um you know we talked a little bit about infrastructure talked about your journey and you know some communication stuff and being a generalist and you know i think that that's a really good that, that's a very interesting story and um you know switching gears into if you know if you're hiring you know, you do you do some hiring sometimes. What do you what do you look for in a in a noob, or in like a recent grad, or like a fresh freshly minted person who's like, I want to start my career. Um, so I think this is like the thing where you know, I'm going to start with what I'm. Uh, by saying that, you know, we're in an age that everybody has gone through Kaggle. Everybody has done uh, something of a problem uh, online. Um, so, and while that's, I'm not trying to discourage anybody from doing that because I think that's important. I think for me personally, what I'm looking for is, you know, how you think about a problem. Like, have you done something that you, like, it's not just like solving a Titanic problem, but I, I give this example, right? Like one of my first data problems as I was trying to get into insights was to uh, uh, look at NBA player data and try to see if like there was any factors in injuries. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of like, I think, you know, when you show that kind of uh, passion for certain things, and uh, I don't know if passion is the correct word, but it's kind of like it helps interest. you, th that interest, right? Like, it kind of gives you another perspective that this person like is able to uh, find things that they want to uh, do by themselves. Like it's not necessarily like, of course, like when you're in a work, you know, oftentimes you're going to get told what you need to do, but it's also like, it's also a very different thing when somebody is not just doing that, but also able to say, Hey, here's a piece of thing that I'm seeing, and I want to continue to pursue this, and kind of like ask and dig and figure out what's going on, because um, that right. that to me kind of demonstrates your willingness to to learn uh, by yourself to try to solve a problem uh, more so necessarily than um, hey I solved this and just because it's another problem that is people solve. When they're, when they're trying to get into the career. Right, right. Yeah. So, so it's like something that's of interest to your, yeah. yourself. But is it is it the uniqueness or is it just like more about the I went out and found something? Yeah, I don't, 
I mean, I think it's more about like I went out and found something and it was something that because like when you talk to people, right, you'll know when somebody likes what they're doing and it kind of like giving somebody the chance to say like, hey, I worked on a data problem that I really like, I think gives you a lot more information than saying, oh, I had to build this report because of X, Y, Z. And you kind of like deep dive a little more, right? I mean, if you're doing MBA stuff, like you're, you're excited to talk about it and there's, and it's going to be a lot about, oh my God, let me tell you about all the cool things that I found versus I made a report. Exactly. And, and, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that you'll go that far when you have to solve a problem for work, but it does <laughs> right. show me that it does show me that you have the ability to go that far as long right. as, as long as, you know, that's something that you're, you're going for. Um, and that no that's interesting and like huh. and you know you kind of talk about being a generalist so if you're in the spot of like you know trying to move into a more technical role like i mean here's one thing like there's a bunch of people that i talk to all the time like people reach out on linkedin or um you know some friends or friends of friends ping me and they're just like hey i want to get into data science and i'm like okay and you know, like last week uh, or two weeks ago, we were talking to Dave Mathias from the Data Able podcast. And he, you know, he had the same thing where he's like, I want to learn Python. What are the best Python classes? And I'm like, you have, uh, you've never worked with data before, or you work with data like in a very light way. Um, and they're all of a sudden, you know, like, I want to be a data scientist. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> you know, like, do you want to sit and code all day? And they're like, no. <laughs> I was like, I don't. I don't know what to tell you then, because this is probably not what you want to be doing. Um, but I guess, you know, the the idea of like the, uh, if this person was actually, you know, genuinely interested in starting a career in data science versus like a topical interest where it's like, hey, I just want to learn data science so I can talk to data people. I'm like, there's a thousand ways you can do that without actually going hardcore and getting into a boot camp. But, you know, for the people that actually want to do this and become, you know, launch their career as a data person, you know, maybe we don't use, we've had this talk before, Kenny, of <laughs> data X, data star, whatever, data. Yeah, data person. Is data person. <laughs> um, if they do want to do that, like, what what are some of the things they, they should be looking at besides learning how to run SciKit, you know, or like doing something in Jupyter Notebooks? Like, what, what are some of the skills you think they need? Oh man, that's a great one. It's getting, um, me- it's getting meta. <laughs> I, I want to say like, you know, I, I think like, you know, the standards are like, obviously like you want to, you want to have some basics on statistics. You want to have some basics on coding. Uh, you want to have some basics on just understanding like system behavior, I think. Um, and then I think a lot of it is just like, um, how much do you want it? <laughs> Right, like how, how much do you really want it? And because yeah, yeah. again, like I just I know that it doesn't work for everybody, and I'm not saying this is 100 for everybody. But I I personally just have a strong belief that if you like what you're doing, you will get to it. You will find what you need to do. Um, so if you're starting, you know, I'll just put it out there: data science and data careers pay really well, and a lot of people just go into it because it pays and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that i'm not the person i'm not going to say i'm not going to stand here you know uh, and say don't do it but 
I just personally think that you'll get much more further into uh, a successful and a, and a meaningful career for your own self if it's something that you're you truly like to do. So that's probably, no, probably a non-answer. Non-answer, answer. No, that's totally fine. And like, you know, one one thing that uh, was really interesting, I was talking to Fernando about this. Uh, he's over at Shopify and he was just talking about, and, well, and Joey too, they, you know, they're, they're talking a lot about just coding, like being a good developer. Like any thoughts on that? I think a, a lot of these camp, boot camps and, you know, education places like kind of skip over the fact that like you are a developer. Yeah, I think ultimately you want to automate things as much as possible and yeah being a developer like programming gives you that ability uh it gives you that kind of logic and structure to do that i think it's super important right especially because more and more we're not doing data on spreadsheets uh we're doing data uh because of the volume or because of the complexity of the problem that we're trying to solve we're we're programming for it whether that's r python julia whatever other languages coming up. Um, Are you using that? No, I'm not. Uh, but ultimately, uh, it gives you like programming is really it, it's like you you should be a, like you should try to get as much as you can out of programming to try to make your life easier. Uh, it doesn't hurt at all to be a really good programmer. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I always say like learn Python. A lot of people have, you know, been talking about learn Python the hard way, you know, that's the, the starter book. So we'll see. I've actually, I want to take a little peep at it and see, see how it is. Um, I think for, for data analysis, man, I I should get sponsorship on all these things, but for data analysis, (laughs) I think like the mode analytics has a really good Python tutorial to start. What is it called? Mode analytics. M O D E. Yeah. Okay. Has a really good Python like tutorial that is focused on data analysis. It goes over basic Python things and then a lot of the pandas stuff. Um, and that's one of those things I recommend. Nice. Uh, a lot to people. Get you, get you an affiliate link. <laughs> uh, round, I guess like rounding it up, you know, we're coming close on time. Um, but on, you know, we, we talked a little bit about communication and like executives, um, you know, and starting companies. Like if you were to, if you were an executive or you were to kind of be advising an executive on, um, you know, starting or using data science or, you know, becoming more data driven, maybe it's not data science. Maybe you just, it's about reporting at the beginning, but is there any advice for people kind of up top that you would, uh, you'd want to impart or some things that you've seen that, that could be helpful? Um, yeah. Uh, I think listen I think listening is important and like, I think, you know, C-level, uh, people who are the C-level oftentimes it's that, uh, first of all, no, there's no bad intentions. It's mostly just like being at that level means that you don't, you can't really go into those little details. Um, so I think understanding where you are as an org in terms of data is just first step. Like if you, if you think you're going to, if you if you if you think you want to do data science, I think you need to understand where you are uh, as an organization in terms of data. Is that like a capabilities or like what you actually have? It's it's all it's capabilities. It's like uh, and capabilities not just at the data team level, but like you know at the rest of the org because the data team can take you 
somewhere, but in reality, it's the whole company that needs to adopt a data. I hate the term data-driven mindset, but it's it's basically, you know, if the data team has stuff, has data in its hands, and the consumers are not prepared to consume that data, and some of that responsibility lies with the data team, but then there's other responsibilities that lies on the on the stakeholders. Right. Then it's we need to figure out how to how to get past that. Um, and then obviously, you know, competencies at the internally on the data on the data uh, teams. Uh, what is it that what is it that you're trying to solve the problem for with data and mm. and ultimately, you know, the easier one is the technology and the and the tooling. Um, yeah, tech is never really the problem, is it? <laughs> like, unless you're making something new. Yeah, it's convincing people that this tech is needed. But once you've <laughs> once you've uh, gotten that convincing done, then uh, tech is is not that hard. Um, it's a matter of execution, but. Yeah, I think, you know, at the C-level, it's just like being very, if you're advising a C-level, I think it's being very transparent and honest, like about where you are as an org um, in the in the data journey um, helps you because data can be expensive, right? And if you, if you have no return, it's easy to spend. You know, it's easy to spend five hundred thousand dollars in data in, in the data team and not get any any real meaningful value. Yeah, no, that's true, and I've I've definitely seen that where people kind of jump the gun. They hire a whole bunch of people, buy a lot of tech, and then you're like, "What are we doing with this stuff?" So yeah. it's like, <laughs> I think you know, you know, just kind of extending what you're saying too is just finding that like first use case, right, and then ratcheting up from there. But don't just go for don't go for gold. On the first, on the first uh, first shot, you know, right. And th- and that first use case, like you know, that uh, there's a tendency to think that the modeling is the use case, but it's so much more than that, right? Like modeling is the it's, it's not the, that, it's not that it's, it's trivial, but it's it's one of the uh, less complex parts of the system. Uh, uh, okay. It's 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 getting your data to a good place so that you can start modeling, and then after you've modeled and have some results, like what do you do then? And oftentimes it's like people tend to just think about the use case of trying to answer the question, but you need to think one step further is like, what do you do if you have the answer? Because if you don't, if you can't do anything with the answer, then you're stuck. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, that's, um, I think developing the first use case is a really good like intellectual exercise too, because you know, you're, you're road mapping in that way. And you're looking at, you're looking at pure value versus like, you know, we always get lost in the tech or always get lost in the, the inputs and like the, the, you know, shininess of running some kind of model or getting people to develop it in that process. But like at the end of the day, it's got to do something and give you something back. Right. And getting to that idea of like a use case and a proof of concept up there, like it really forces you to think, it was like, okay, what are we actually going to do with all this stuff? Yeah. You know, how do we, apply it? no, that's, that's great. Um, no, that's smart. And I, I think, you know, that's, that's probably the best approach in doing it. I know we're coming up on time now. Um, so Kenny, thank you 
Uh, it was really great talking with you. It's always, you know, you're, I feel that you always have these good, like philosophical <laughs> thoughts on <laughs> data science and like just the data practices in a, in the world. So it's, it's always, it's always a great conversation. Uh, no, thank you for having me, James. And, and I don't know, I've, uh, I put a filter on it, so. <laughs> I know you're usually a lot more animated, but, uh, you know, we'll save it for an in-person, in-person session one day. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, anyways, thanks. Thanks a lot, Kenny. Yeah, thank you. Okay, take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you next week.